Church, welcome to week two of our new series, InSync. Next Tuesday, January 16th, is Sex Trafficking Awareness Day, and we will be partnering with Breaking the Chains. We will be out there on Shaw and Blackstone helping raise money and awareness to put an end to human trafficking. If you are able, we would love to see you out there. There is a massive need, even here in Fresno. If you are newer to Prodigal and have not filled out our Connect card, we encourage you to do so. It's one of the main tools we use to communicate with everyone. You can find it at www.prodigalchurchfresno.com. With the holidays behind us, we already have things like Baptism Sunday and our second annual Love the World auction, and believe it or not, Easter. All are happening in this first quarter of the year, so make sure you have the Prodigal Church app downloaded to stay up to date on our calendar. Your continued partnership and generosity to Prodigal Church is incredible. We don't pass a basket here during our service, but if you would like to give, you can do so on the app, our website, or in the lobby on your way out. Thank you for joining us today as we continue to explore what it looks like to stay in step with the Spirit. Have a great Sunday, church. Welcome to Prodigal Church. We are so glad that you are here with us, wherever you are. Uh, This past week, we got the 2023 report of who's watching and listening to all of our online services across all of our media platforms. And I'm just reminded that the reach of this church is further than I had ever thought. Uh, We have listeners from every continent on planet Earth, except Antarctica, and that's amazing. So wherever you are, we just want to say that we might not know you, but we love you. And most of the downloads are probably just one sermon here or there, but we also have people from all over the world that listen each and every week, and they're sometimes even more consistent than our in-person local crowd. And I'm just so encouraged by what God is doing through Prodigal Church. Six out of seven continents on planet Earth. And one of these days, one of the scientists in Antarctica are gonna Google search boy band sermon, and boom, this sermon series is gonna pop up, and then we will have reached all continents. We are in week two of our sermon series, In Sync, Keeping in Step with God's Spirit. But before we dive in, I get the privilege of announcing our second annual Love the World auction. It's going to be Friday, March 1st, Last year, the event was such an amazing success, and we were able to raise a significant amount of money for our work here in Fresno, but also our work in Southeastern Africa. Uh, You're gonna hear a lot more about it in the coming weeks, and uh, mark your calendars. But we'd love your help in donating silent auction items for our auction. Last year, we had about 150 silent and live auction items, and we're aiming to surpass that this year. So that unopened Christmas gift that you're really never gonna use, uh, you can donate to our auction, and the proceeds will go to further advance God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, You can bring in gift cards from your business. Those are always really great items. Bring them with you on a Sunday morning, or you can arrange to have us pick them up throughout the week. Just call or email us. Okay, Friday, March 1st, Love the World auction. We can't wait. All right, week two of InSync. Uh, The theme verse for our sermon series is Galatians 5, 24 through 26. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. We are using boy bands as a theme for keeping in sync with God's spirit. Who remembers the boy band Hanson? Okay, the Hanson brothers. Three brothers from Oklahoma. They were best known for their hit, Mbop, and they took America by storm back in 1996. Well, apparently now they have a beer company and their first beer was named, and I'm not joking, Mhops, okay? It's a smooth body pale ale with 7.5% alcohol. Time Magazine said of Mhops, the average beer is closer to 5% alcohol, so don't think the Hanson brothers don't know how to go hard. Okay. The more you know. Last week, we explored being unselfish is being in sync with God's spirit. This week is faith over fear. One author wrote this about fear. All of us are born with this set of instinctive fears. The fear of falling, the fear of the dark, the fear of spiders, and the fear of falling on spiders in the dark. Okay, that's terrifying. Uh, we as a culture have more anxiety and fear than any culture in any time in history. But we already know that. We, we already know that about the world because we already know that about ourselves. We all have our own fears, our own anxieties, our own worries. And these take a toll on us. They affect us physically and mentally. Dr. Walter Cannon of Harvard University, uh, he is a professor in psychosomatic medicine, describes what happens to the human body when it becomes fearful or worrisome. Respiration deepens. The heart beats more rapidly. The arterial pressure rises Blood is shifted from the stomach and intestines to the heart. Sugar is freed from the reserves of the liver. Okay, all these things are happening while you're worrying, while you have fear. Adrenaline is secreted and the spleen contracts and discharges its contents of concentrated corpuscles. Now, I don't know what any of that means, but I know I don't want it to happen in my body. But that's what happens when we have fear, worry, anxieties. But there's hope because we can unlearn fear. And in unlearning fear, we can find freedom. And if we are going to be in sync with God's Spirit, we have got to apply one of the Bible's most often repeated commands. Do not be afraid. And that comforting command is always spoken to people who are afraid. And I think that one of the reasons this command is so often repeated in the Bible is because fear is paralyzing. And Jesus is all about movement. Uh, has fear kept you from the move that you feel God is stirring inside of you? Turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. Here we have the people of God being freed from Egypt and they are wandering in the wilderness and they are approaching the promised land that God has given them. And in Numbers 13 chapter 17 says this, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? 
Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb says, the land is ripe for the taking. Let's do this. God has brought us to the brink of the promised land. He's rescued us from Egypt. The land that he promised is within our grasp. Let's take it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. The King James Version says, and they brought up an evil report. The CEV says, then they started spreading rumors. God's Word Version says, so they began to spread lies among the Israelites. They said, the land we explore devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. These 10 spies, they were leaders of their tribe, and they brought an evil report. They spread rumors and lies. Why? How? Fear. And a key aspect of fear is forgetting. These 10 spies forgot what God had did for them in rescuing them from Egypt. These 10 spies forgot the way in which God led them by cloud by day and fire by night. These 10 forgot that God provided them with bread from heaven every morning in the wilderness. And because they forgot, they were afraid. In this story that is 3,000 years old, it's us as well. God brought you through that crisis a few years back. You never thought you'd make it, but you did. And you're better, you're stronger, you're on the other side of it. But today, this very day, fear taps you on the shoulder and it grips your soul. All of your anxieties are awoken. And God is saying to you, remember, remember, don't forget that I brought you through it in the past and I'll bring you through it again. I don't know what you're going through now, but I do know the God that saved you before, the God that rescued before, the God who brought you through it will bring you through it again. Remember, don't forget. Sadly, the Hebrews remained camped in the desert in and around Kadesh Barnea for the next 38 years. And it wasn't until the next generation arose that the children of Israel finally do enter the promised land. Can you see yourself in their story? Can you imagine for 38 years, they remained paralyzed by fear just one mile from God's promises? I love this story because it paints a picture of how fear works in us. We start out with this vision of 
a promised land, our preferred picture of the future. Something that we long to do, a dream or a calling that we're going to pursue. But then we begin to think about the risks, the dangers that are involved. And soon all we can see are the obstacles, the risks, the dangers. So we freeze. We're paralyzed. We stop in our tracks. Terror and despair take over. And we tell ourselves, well, I can never do that. I don't have what it takes. What if I fail? Others are more gifted than I am. It's just too hard. Can you relate to the powerful push and pull of hope and dread that God's people experienced 3,000 years ago? Have you ever found yourself terrified of some kind of giants that seem insurmountable? Circumstances in the face of which you felt like giving up before you even got going. I think about the warning etched into the side mirrors of our cars. Objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. And this is a helpful warning, okay? The convex shape of the side mirror does make things appear smaller and thus seemingly further away than what they really are. And that can lead us to miscalculate lane changes if we don't take this into account. But when it comes to our assessment of risk, dangers, and obstacles, far too often the opposite is true. Obstacles, dangers, and threats appear larger and closer than they actually are. The obstacles seem like giants and we are mere grasshoppers. And so many of us live our entire lives paralyzed by fear just one mile from the promised land. In your own life, what are the obstacles that seem like giants? Here's how it often plays out in our lives. When fear begins to control us, it's often because we have catastrophized our current situation. In other words, we are seeing things as worse than they actually are, and we're assuming they will never get better. Which, if you think about it, it's kind of like a reverse faith. Of all the possible outcomes, and without knowing all the facts, you are choosing to hold on to the unwanted ones and to believe the worst instead of the best. The old adage, fear, false events appearing real. And that's how it is with most of the things that we fear. We spend a lot of time and emotional energy worrying about and fearing things that are never going to happen. And so I propose another acronym, okay? Fear, F, face your fears with faith. E, examine your assumptions in light of the facts. A, attack your anxieties with action. R, release your cares to God. I hope that you would memorize this acronym or perhaps screenshot it from the Prodigal Church app that you may be listening to now. One way that fear manifests in my own life is through procrastination. I've come to believe that procrastination and fear are married. A lot of fear is hidden in procrastination. Uh, and it may look something like this. Okay? I don't really want to talk to this person or confront this person, so I'll put it off. And if I don't talk to them about it, 
then maybe they'll forget the problem and it will just kind of disappear. Or I'm scared at how much this bill is going to be and so you don't even look at it. We put it off to deal with it later. Maybe. See, procrastination and fear grips all of us to some degree, but let us be people who risk for faith, not procrastinate for fear. Mark Zuckerberg, okay, Facebook's founder, CEO, noted that the best bit of advice he'd ever received was from PayPal co-founder, Peter Thiel, who said this, the biggest risk that you can take is not taking any risk. Your amygdala, this part of your brain, uh, it's risk averse. Its job is to identify risks, dangers, and obstacles, and to protect you from them. And this it can be a wonderful blessing and can save your life, but it can also keep you from actually living. Your amygdala's job is to consider the worst, to see ordinary Canaanites as undefeatable giants. And it's good for survival, but it's awful for thriving. Okay, I think I made up that word. It's good for surviving. It's terrible for thriving. At some point, you've got to face your giants. You've got to stare them down. Uh, in the life of King David, he had plenty of reasons to fear. And when he was in this battle where his son betrayed him and became king and was searching for him, hunting him, David writes this in Psalm 3, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. You might be going through the ringer right now, but do you have tens of thousands who assail you on every side? And King David says that God is a shield around me. He, he's being assailed from every side, and God is a shield around him, surrounding him. And that's a very telling phrase. Why? Because there were two kinds of shields in the ancient world. There's the little shield that you would put in your hand, and this is for hand-to-hand -hand combat. Okay, you're moving it all around. Uh, you use it to ward off a strike from your opponent and then to strike your opponent with the other hand. And this, the kind of shield, is in no way around you, correct? It's just too small. But there's another kind of shield. It is the size of a door, and it wraps around you. And this is the kind of shield that King David is talking about. And what is that shield for? Because it's not for hand-to-hand -hand combat. You only use that shield when you're following your general to go and besiege a fortress. In other words, you only need that shield when you are going in to horrible danger. This is not a shield that gets you away from danger. It is a shield that goes in to danger. You only use that shield when approaching a wall or a fortress or a heavy enemy that launches arrows at you. 
that throws rocks at you, that throws balls of fire upon you. You've probably seen this in the movies, right? David says, I'm scared, I'm scared, but I remember that you're a shield around me and your shield, your protection only works going forward. It only works when I'm obeying you, when, it, when I'm following you. It's when we're following our orders forward, following Jesus to the battle. The shield is of no, no use to you if you're running away. If you're running away, that kind of shield does not protect you. Its design is to protect you when you're running forward, not when you are retreating backward in the midst of fear. Are you moving forward with the shield of faith, the shield of God around you, or are you retreating, weighed down by something that is meant to protect you? George MacDonald, one of the great inspiring theologians and authors who inspired Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, writes a story called The Princess and the Goblin. And the story begins with a princess in a castle. And in this world, there are also subterranean caves and caverns where goblins live. And goblins who bear a grudge against the sun people because they took the land above ground from them. The servants in the castle know about the goblins and they are to never let the princess be out in the dark. So the princess has this friend named Curdy who discovers the goblins' weakness and it is their unprotected feet. While discovering this, he's captured by the goblins and taken into the caverns. Unbeknownst to the princess, in one rainy day, the princess Irene explores the house alone and discovers an unknown staircase that leads up several flights to a room where a beautiful old lady is spinning thread. She is Irene's great-great-grandmother, and she is the god figure in the story. Unknown to anyone in the castle, this great-great-grandmother has come to take care of the princess, and she is spinning a ball of thread for Irene. Irene is scared one night. The princess in the fairy tale fears as we do. So she runs to her grandmother at the top of the castle, and she says, whenever I am afraid, how can I get to you? And she hands her a ring and ties a thread around it. She said, put this ring on and whenever you are afraid, put it under your pillow and follow the thread back to me. And the grandmother says, one more thing. It will always lead you back to me, but no, it may take you in a roundabout way. So the first night that she's in danger, the princess is in her room and she hears a creature coming through the window. She hears a snarl, a hiss. So she takes off her ring. She puts it under her pillow and she pulls it tight. And she begins to follow the thread back to her grandmother. And she's excited because it immediately takes her out of the room. She expected it to lead her straight up the hidden staircase to her grandmother's room where she's spinning. But to her surprise and to her dismay, the thread led her away from the stairs in the opposite direction. To her shock, it led her out of the castle and into the dark of night, the very night which she has been forbidden to experience. And then it led her up the mountain toward the caverns and caves. 
straight into one of the caverns, the place of the goblins. She kept saying to herself, I know this will lead me to my grandmother. I know it. I know it. So she follows the thread into the heart of the caverns, into the dark of night, until the thread stopped. And she stood surrounded by darkness, thinking that her grandmother had forsaken her. She was terrified. So she thought, well, at least I can follow the thread back to the castle. And as soon as she began to retreat, the thread disappeared. Forward, it led to the caverns of the goblins, and backward, it vanished. She collapsed on the stones and cried in fear. And while in that dark cavern all alone, she feels around and finds her friend, Curdy, frees him from the goblins and rescues them back to the castle. This is a picture of following Jesus. When we are scared, we must follow his thread. And even when we are surrounded by darkness, he will always lead us to opportunities for greater love, for greater good. Opportunities to help free people from the things that leave us trapped in fear. This protection, this shield, is as we move forward in faith, not backwards in fear. And Jesus followed the thread to the cross, and he was scared. But he shows us the way forward, through the darkness, not away, but through. God promises he will be with us. Not that he will bring us out of it, but he will bring us through it. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever situation you're going through, God may not bring you out of it, but he will bring you through it. He will get you through it. Can you follow his thread to show and shine his love in the middle of darkness? I pray that we would face our fears, that we would choose faith over fear. Do not be afraid. Remember, the God who was with you before is with you still. God, I pray that whatever we're going through and, and whoever's listening to this online, I just pray in Jesus' name that they would know and sense that you are with them, that they are following your thread. It always leads back to you. I pray in Jesus' name that we would remember the, the moments, the seasons, the crisis, the past troubles and trials that we endured and how you brought us through them. And God, may that give us the strength to know that you're gonna bring us through them again. Uh, I look ahead and see that you are able. I look back and see you're faithful. Help us, God. We need you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church. Fresno, you probably noticed that I'm wearing a Kansas City Chiefs hat. By the time that you watch this on Sunday, the Chiefs will have already won or lost in Kansas City in negative 25 wind chill weather against the Miami Dolphins. So I don't know if they won or if they lost, 
Um, I'm gonna just go forward in faith. We hope that you do the same. God bless you. Have enjoy your week. Grace and peace.